1: Well, we'll talk to James still. Have open lines 210-599-5555, but it's time to say good morning to Farmer James. How are you, sir? Morning, Bob. How are you doing today? You know, it is just a gorgeous morning out there. It's uh it's just gonna be a good day to be alive and to be outside.
2: Yes, sir. I had a question for you as your uh are your potatoes starting to
1: bloom yet? Oh yeah yeah it seems like they're early. I don't know whether it's necessary or not, but i I pinch the flowers off. I think it keeps them putting more energy into making foliage, and obviously, the more foliage we've got uh the you know more energy's going down to make those nice little edible portions of the potato plant. But I think just about everybody I talk about their potatoes are are coming into bloom, which for me is uh, about three or four weeks earlier than they usually do.
2: Yeah, it seems seems a little early to me too. Uh, I wanted to ask you have can you can you settle an argument
1: for I don't, me? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll try.
2: <laughs> uh, I was talking to a lady the other day. She's, we're talking about tomatoes, and she said, "Well, uh, they have ripe tomatoes at the store," and I said, "No, ma'am, those tomatoes aren't ripe. They're green tomatoes that were picked green that were chemically." uh gas and mm-hmm. the red pigment in the the fruit comes out they the natural ripening process has not happened on the the store tomatoes and she oh no, 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 no they're they're red, so they're ripe <laughs> and she, I said, no, they're not, they're chemically altered, but we went round and round and uh ended up in a tie
1: I guess well you know a a wise man knows better than uh, to engage in a serious argument with a lady but if it's just over the color of tomatoes uh, uh, you're certainly on the winning side here it's uh the chemical that they use is ethylene gas it doesn't you know it's not like a poison it's not like so it's not like genetic modification uh, it's there's nothing really wrong with it except that to me uh it's just kind of false packaging they use the same thing on citrus they use the same thing on uh, sometimes even on bananas but uh you're you're 100 percent right uh all it does is uh, change the color of the tomato uh it's kind of like you know fruit we they talk about climateric versus non-climateric some things continue to ripen after they've been picked that includes things like uh pears and apples and that's why you can find a decent pear and a decent apple in the grocery store but on things like plums and peaches they don't continue to ripen and tomatoes they don't continue to ripen they just get softer and that's why you can't buy a decent uh you know peach or plum or tomato in the grocery store. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, I I'm you're not in San Antonio, but I'm very partial to natural grocers. They're doing the best job I've ever seen of bringing in some local produce, bringing in some good non-GMO, good organic stuff like we like. But uh, still, the best source of tasty tomatoes is going to be the guy with a roadside stand like you. If you don't have them in your own garden, you better go buy them from somebody because they simply, when a tomato ripens, they can't ship it. It's too soft. It's why it's hard to find a decent strawberry in the grocery store or a decent fig because these things are just too soft to ship and if you watch the way those uh those guys are handling the produce when you're in any of the big grocery stores you can see why a tomato has to be hard as a rock for it to uh remain saleable on the shelves but Long answer to a short question, James, you're exactly right. Those things are simply made to turn red with ethylene gas, and they are not ripe, and that's why they taste like cardboard instead of tasting like uh, the things you're going to pick off the plants in your garden or the things that you're going to buy from James or somebody else that's sharing his produce. <laughs> so you win that one.
2: Well, that's what I, I was thinking. Oh, by the way, uh, the um, – what's the name of that? Um the early girls are starting to to color up. Uh, I'm growing them on uh, a few on strings this year, and they're. Uh, I'll have a ripe tomato next, and eh, maybe maybe today.
1: <laughs> I bet I know where it's going to go too. It's going to go into James's tomato sandwich for lunch.
2: <laughs> I can't figure out what I want to do with it, man. I don't know if I want to make a salad or I just. All these decisions, is just too too complicated.
1: Uh, you know, it's the only thing nice is that pretty soon you're going to have so many of them, uh, you're going to get to do something different with each one of them.
2: The, we found out something about the grafted tomatoes. The Maxi Ford rootstock seems to work really well on the indeterminates that you uh-huh. prune and, you know, trellis or string. They don't work so good on the determinants okay you just they just make this big monster plant that it's going crazy so we're going to try the uh estimino on the determinants <clears throat> excuse me from now on uh-huh and the maxiforts on the indeterminants and that seems to be the way to go
1: well i hope you will do some a little bit of calculations and things and and find out exactly how much they increase your production because uh as you've sure discovered, it, it takes some time, it costs some money to create a grafted tomato. And uh, I'll be interested to hear, when it gets down to the dollars and cents, uh, if you really feel like uh, they produce that much more production uh, that it's worth the cost, uh, rather than just growing some of the good old, uh, you know, early girls on their own roots.
2: The, the plants are so much healthier. Uh, there's really no diseases uh that's the main reason I started grafting is very good uh, is for for health reasons but uh yeah I'm going to continue on uh uh grafting because the plants just it really do a a lot better, and there's hardly any <clears throat> excuse me diseases or problems with them
1: very good well, I hope I'm not treading on any uh patent question, but are you able to propagate your own? Root stock. Are you continuing to have to buy uh, started root stock?
2: Uh, Johnny's has got the root stock. Uh, High Mowing has got a pretty good deal on the root stock. It's it's a combination of a wild variety and a domestic variety. So mm-hmm. I'll just I'll let the pros do that. You, <laughs> you got about, you got a cost of about fifty cents a piece on the root stock.
1: So yeah, well, that's not too bad. Affordable. That's not too bad at all. Well, James, you're anyway. always a wealth of knowledge for us. It's always a pleasure visiting with you.
2: Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. I'm glad you're uh, you're going to be in potatoes here pretty soon.
1: It won't be long at all. And i uh, look forward to our next visit. And uh, let me get uh, Dick in here. Then it'll be David and Mike. Good morning, Dick.
3: Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks Appreciate
1: for calling. My pleasure.
3: Well, I'm very fortuitous timing for me to call because I actually have a question about my tomato plant. Okay. I, uh. Growing up in Arizona, I wasn't the 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 most green thumb. It was quite dry and quite hot. (laughs) I've I've been here in Texas now for a number of years.
1: Where it's also dry and hot.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, very true. Not a little bit more humid though. Right. I like actually. Right. Well. So I, I I've recently moved and now I'm in an apartment complex and so I don't have the joy of having a real true backyard. I just have a concrete porch. Uh huh. Now I I agree with James and with you. The tomatoes in the grocery store are just mush and I don't like them. Right. And I would love to see if I can grow some tomato plants on my on my porch, but I just don't know which way to go about it. No, I which, you had any what
1: what direction does your porch face?
3: That's a good question. I believe it's south.
1: Okay. Well, south porch gets a lot of sun. Um, Sure, you can definitely. You could grow... uh, tomatoes in containers you could grow tomatoes in hanging baskets you're not going to be picking 40 pounds a day like farmer james probably is but uh, um, there is a variety of tomato i believe it's called tumbling tom there are two or three tomato varieties that actually do pretty well in uh, hanging basket Um, i like you know, well, I, I shouldn't say uh, you can grow any kind of hanging basket you like. If you go on with a plastic basket, the biggest you'll be able to get is a 12-inch basket. If you want to go with a good heavy-duty wire basket, you can get them as big as you can lift. But uh, Tumbling Tom would do fine as a hanging basket tomato, and it makes fruit about the size of ping-pong balls. The um, If you want to grow a bigger tomato plant and a bigger tomato, Look around for some of these fabric pots. Uh, Smart Pot is probably the most common brand, but um, they are—they simply grow a better plant, and they're not nearly as heavy. It certainly is clay pot and even a plastic pot. And we've done just really well growing tomatoes in these fabric pots. And I would tell you, you're probably going to want to go with a, either a determinant or a semi-determinant tomato just because the plants don't get quite as big. But there's some really good ones out there like Celebrity. um uh tycoon is one a lot of people like but i don't think the flavor is that all that good on that one but celebrity will give you a real good flavor uh there's uh an old tomato i guess it's not really a true determinant called porter p-o-r-t-e-r there's a pink porter and a red porter there is a big yellow tomato uh lemon boy is one um that uh, all these things would do just fine in your fabric pots and give you a chance to grow some good tasty tomatoes on that porch
3: excellent thank you bob i i got a follow-up question for you Me, me and the missus are not quite as mobile as we used to be we kind of stick to to where we live and uh-huh. unfortunately there's not a lot of good options of of buying the garden and things near us the only thing is i'm sorry to say is a walmart that's right by us and they they've been selling this i think the brand is bonnie and they have uh it's already pretty much grown and there they uh-huh. have a the tomatoes are on it already, okay. and, it's in a, and they say you don't need to transplant it; you just grow it on there. What you have any experience with them?
1: Well, Bonnie Plant Farms is a big commercial plant producer. Um, I, I prefer doing things organically, and Bonnie Plant Farms does not do that. And unless they're selling it to you in a really big pot. Um, you're looking at a plant that's just going to give you a handful of tomatoes. I think you ought to pick 40 pounds of tomatoes per plant if you're growing good plants and good variety. So um, uh, you don't have to go too far down Bandera Road to come to Rainbow Gardens. Uh, They're inside 1604, and they're going to have, I think, a much better quality if you ever go the other direction over toward Bernie. Uh, you're going to find hill country african violets over there will have quality tomato plants uh, virtually all the time so they're not that much further away uh, than walmart and i think you're going to get a much better quality plant a much wider range of materials for yourself excellent
3: and it's not too late in the season is it is it okay to start now uh
1: i'm i'm going to put tomatoes in this week we have had so much cold weather we have frost two weeks ago where i live in bernie so i sure hope yeah. not now if you want to be guaranteed production all summer long uh grow some of the small fruited tomatoes because the bigger fruited varieties will stop producing when the nights get hot but uh it is definitely not too late to be doing a lot of planting and and i'm one of those ones that is still doing a lot of planting in my garden cool.
3: All right, Bob. I thank you very much. You have a wonderful day.
1: You do the same, Dix. Good to hear from you. Thank you, sir. Bye. I say good morning, Mike. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm great. How about you this morning? Oh, just
4: fixing to go to work. Uh, (laughs) I've got a question. I planted some um, um, grass. Here's some Bermuda grass <clears throat> about three weeks ago and I called one of the garden centers and the guy told me I was about a month too early and they were unhulled seed and I'm and I put some starter on the you know, some you know, like starter fertilizer on the lawn and yep. he said, Oh, you don't need that. Uh and I'm just now starting to see a little bit coming up And I was just wondering if I planted too early
1: and if I needed to go ahead and plant again or... Well, I tell you what, I, I don't think they told you quite right. If they told you you were three weeks too early, I think you are about two months too early. Uh, you planted way, way, way too early, and whoever sold you that seed should have told you don't plant this stuff until the soil is hot. Um, probably mid-May this year is going to be the earliest that I would recommend planting Bermuda seed because it just lies there until that soil really warms up i tell people it's not a warm weather grass it is a hot weather grass now if you are seeing a little bit of sprouting here and there that's a very good sign in that it means your steed is still down there and it is still viable and I at this point I'm not going to tell you to do anything because in my opinion it's still too early to plant Bermuda seed now if you're using an organic fertilizer yeah it's fine to put a a good starter fertilizer down but uh, at this point don't do anything except water if we don't get a good rain every three or four days I would be watering your seed bed but don't be expecting too much to show up until you really start sweating we've got to have lots of days in the 80s we've got to have a soil temperature that's about 10 degrees higher than it is right now before your bermuda seed is really gonna sprout And uh, if you have to have uh, Bermuda sooner than that, you can buy the sod. But sadly, there's no way to speed up that seed germination. And uh, this is going to have to go down as one of those learning experiences because you just, you did, you put it, did put it down way too early. But uh, that's the bad news. The good news is if you're getting some of it starting to sprout, then you probably don't have to replant. You probably just need to have some patience with it.
4: Oh, okay. And don't put any more fertilizer or
1: anything on it? If what now you put a like a you said a a sort of a starter fertilizer or something down, yes, sir. Yeah, no, you don't need uh, it's probably would not necessarily be the same fertilizer I would have recommended because uh, many of these fertilizers are synthetic nitrogen, which can burn young plants. So um, if you do this again, use an organic product, Medina, Nature's Creation, Maestro Grow, Espoma. There are a bunch of good ones out there. But at this point, I'm not going to do anything until I see a lot of green. And then I'm going to follow up with one of the good organic fertilizers. And by the middle of summer, you'll have a beautiful lawn okay so in other words just let her sit but keep it keep it moist keep it watered, and don't tell your family but pray for heat you want it to get uncomfortable because that's when your bermuda is going to do wet best okay well thank you very much sir you're sure welcome mike thanks for the call it's keith's turn good morning keith good morning bob morning sir
2: how are you this fine day
1: you know it's the day's off to a good start i just uh I can't say that I enjoy getting up at 3.15 in the morning, but I sure do get to talk to a lot of nice people about this time of day. So it's my Saturday's off to a good start.
2: Well, somebody's got to get up and wake up the roosters.
1: <laughs> I got rid of my roosters a long time ago. But, yeah, the the, the puppies are sure ready for uh, their breakfast early. So, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, I've got a, a little bubblegum rose bush that has uh, had roses on it. Year round. Uh huh. And I'd like to take um, a clipping of it and uh, either graft it on or um, pot it
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to Dallas. How would I, uh, what, which would be the best?
1: Well, taking a cutting and rooting it is very definitely. Much easier than actually doing the grafting, you have to have a good root stock and uh, the the not so good thing is that this is not a real good time of year to do it because your roses are they the wood is so soft you 've got all this new growth coming out and it doesn't root well nine times out of ten it just sort of sits there and rots now by the time we get into early summer you're going to have some mature wood on that bubblegum rose, and uh, you can you You can root as many cuttings of it as you're able just in perlite but i'm not going to give you a very high chance of success right now while the wood is so soft on the rose you should have either done it six weeks ago or six weeks from now but right now is just not a time that you can really propagate that particular plant
2: Okay, and do I use a root stimulator before I put it in the
1: prolite? I, I just soak it in a little liquid seaweed with a little bit of garret juice added. I think that uh, the, the so-called root stimulators don't really help that much. If you look at the powdered rooting hormones, they've got like one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of one-one-hundredth percent uh, of any active ingredient in there, and I've just never found them really necessary. I think a good 30-minute soak in just liquid seaweed and water with just a splash of garret juice at it is a, a great thing to do and then you get close to 100% rooting but we've just we've got to wait until that tissue is is mature and i'm going to tell you it's probably about six weeks away okay thank you very much hey it's my pleasure mike appreciate the call thank you sir all right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Going to be Kim, Marcy, and Giovanni. I have one line open. Grab it if you like while I say good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Um,
0: I have a couple of questions. I've heard you talk about putting uh injecting your squash with BT. Yes. I wanted to know what, you know, uh how much like 1 teaspoon to how much water and or um Where on the plant and is this a preventative that you start? using it as soon as you put the plants
1: in well here's here's the exactly what the deal is uh, squash vine borer hits a lot of large vined types of squashes now if you grow in something like the little tatumis or something like that you're not going to have vine borer problems but if you go in zucchinis and crooknecks and patty pans uh there is a nasty little moth that actually looks more like a wasp but it lays its eggs within the first three or four inches of the squash vine, that egg hatches into um, its larvae, which just tunnels its way through the stems of your squash and eventually the whole squash vine just looks like it melts it just shrivels up and dies overnight so mm-hmm. that the squash vine borer always starts down pretty close to where the plant the uh, vine comes out of the ground so that's where we want to get it now I make a fairly concentrated BT solution I use the liquid of course and I'll put about a tablespoon of BT in about a cup of water Water. And like I say, that's many, many times more concentrated than what you would use if you were spraying. And then I use uh, a syringe that has a fairly a fairly good size needle. It's a thing that a doctor or in my case a veterinarian would use for a penicillin injection. I can't remember exactly what the gauge on the needle is, but it's 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 one of the needles that hurts. Hopefully you'll never <laughs> rarely ever have to have one used on you but it's one of the bigger needles um if you don't have a place that you could get a hypodermic syringe or you're not comfortable using a super sharp needle like that you could also use the same thing they sell at the grocery store uh for injecting turkeys and things like that with seasonings when you bake but uh i i you know I'm an old research biologist by training, and my gosh, I've given a lot of injections in my days to animals and um, including in people as well. So it doesn't bother me, but you've got to let the stem get big enough that you can squirt this inside. and I'm just going to put maybe 10 CCs inside the stem, and I'm going to do it usually within three to four inches of where um, of the ground but i it's really hard to do until that vine gets to be 8 or 10 inches long so it's not something you do from day 1 and normally i find that just one injection is enough to stop the vine borers pretty much for the whole season cuz squash squash only lives 2 3 months anyway but um uh sometimes uh I find that the yellow squash have a really hollow stem, really easy to inject. Sometimes the uh, the zucchini stems are a little more solid, a little tougher, and I may actually inject, you know, two or three places on that stem, maybe an inch or two apart along the stem. But uh, I found that it's a lot of trouble. But I've seen squash vine borers just totally wipe out a squash crop, my own and other people's as well. So, uh, it's still better than anything else that I've used. Now, there are some new pheromone traps on the market that seem to be doing a better job of stopping, uh, both the stink bugs and the squash vine borers. And you might want to look into those. But, uh, still the, you know, just injecting the BT in the stems is the best thing I've found.
0: Yeah, I I never seem to get zucchini like I have it right now. It just keeps blooming. It doesn't ever put on any
1: fruit. Well, now, that's that's uh, a different thing. Um, All squash, the first big batches of flowers that come out are male flowers. On cucumbers, mm-hmm. on squash, on melons, on all these plants we call the cucurbits, uh, the male flower is separate from the female flower. Female flower doesn't have male parts. The male flower doesn't have female parts. And the way these things grow and bloom, the first, uh, in the case of a cucumber, it may be the first 10 or 15 flowers. In the case of the squash, it's usually the first three to five flowers will be male flowers. Which, as I told the caller earlier, couldn't produce a squash any more than a man could have a baby. So um, you just need to be a little bit patient as far as getting your squash production up. But uh, right. if if squash vine borers are a problem, then uh, it sounds like your squash is probably big enough to inject.
0: Right, and and before they actually start producing. I get the squash vine for so that's yep. why I, I Well,
1: it uh, sounds like you've got your work cut out for you today.
0: I have one other really quick question. Sure. You talked about planting your fall tomatoes, starting them in June. Are you starting those inside or
2: outside?
1: I'm I'm starting the seed inside because I just can't get any of our growers to produce transplants when I want them. So if I want a nice tomato transplant in June, I've got to start my own seed, which means I'll be doing it um, sometime in early to mid-May. And uh, then, no, I go straight into the garden with them.
0: And how big – because I have – I've tried growing them like in, in January, and I have them under lights, and mm-hmm. the lights are really close, and I've even – use like a little fan to try to make them strong right and they just are so spindly yeah i just can't get a big nice tomato like you
1: tree you can always do what i did and that's build a greenhouse (laughs) because i you know i i'm like you getting them started i'm going to and i have not done it yet i just my life's pretty busy as you can probably imagine, but I'm going to try some of the new LED grow lights because, uh, while you can, while you can keep a plant alive under the fluorescent grow lights, it's, I'm like you, they just don't produce the right wavelength of light to break down that hormone in the stem that makes the little plant stretch. And so I've, if I'm going to try things, growing things under light, I've got to find a better light for starting seeds, but, uh, um, you know, at the very minimum, a cold frame, better still, a greenhouse with a propagating mat. That's how I start my seed. And uh, just having the brighter light is what makes a difference in getting a good transplant out of the deal.
0: Isn't it too hot to be growing tomatoes in a greenhouse in mid-May?
1: Um, no? As long as it's below 95 degrees, I think you're just fine. Tomatoes don't mind it hot.
0: Okay. All right. was curious. All right. Well, um, I will look into what those LED lights are, because, yeah, I have trouble. I don't have a greenhouse. But. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, yeah. not too many. I didn't have until this past year. We'd, uh, oh, oh, we wow. kind of got forced out of business. We had a huge greenhouse for growing orchids, and when the government decided to start letting foreign countries bring plants in, in pot, in root, where the parent country was subsidizing their worker growers kind of kind of put us out of the greenhouse business but I finally said the heck with it I enjoy having a home greenhouse so I built my own and um, I've I've got everybody that says that this isn't a greenhouse this is a guest house so it doesn't have to (laughs) it's it's the it's the product of a a lot of years of having done it right and I'm uh, pleased to say I have had extraordinarily good luck with uh, both with starting seeds and getting back into growing orchids which are an old-time passion of mine but uh, uh it's something to put on the want to have list is someday is a greenhouse
0: okay all right well thank you for your help
1: always a pleasure kim thank you for the call goodbye all right, all right. marcy's up next good morning marcy
5: good morning good morning. Okay um i have a a few questions so you're just going to have to cut me off whenever well i've got to get uh,
1: one more commercial break in so we'll get started and if i have to put you back on hold for a minute we'll do that how's that
5: okay sounds good okay i um have a new raised bed i have new house uh green beans they're not germinating some of them did but i have some that that i planted 18 days ago Mm -hmm. they should have germinated by now right
1: The soil is still pretty cold. Um, Okay, I'm not going to give up. Which variety did you uh, have you planted?
5: Okay, the uh, but I usually buy botanical interest or, Uh or even better quality Kentucky
1: Wonder. Okay. Um, I would expect them. Most years, I would expect to see sprouts in six to seven days. But yeah. as cold as it has been, I'm not going to give up on them. Um, I might dig up one little section. Have you got? Have you got a row of these? Well,
5: I'm, I'm planting them in a really small bed, so I have them six inches apart. I did already dig one up. Uh huh. I dug one up last week, um, and there was a sprout uh-huh. on it.
1: Okay, I wouldn't but. give up on them then. Seeds cheap, and if you want to plant some more, you can. But uh, as chilly as the soil has been, as chilly as the water has been, a lot of things are very slow to germinate this year. So um, okay. obviously nothing dug your seeds up, and the seeds haven't rotted. So uh, just don't just don't overdo it on okay. moisture. And if we do get some uh, bright hot sun, uh, they should be up pretty quickly.
5: Okay, well, I'm in Houston, so it's it's starting to – have some you know sunny days and i already planted more last week just okay just in case so. well hang in there um, don't
1: drown them but don't let them dry out and do you pre-soak your seeds or do you just plant them straight out of the package mm-hmm.
5: No, I didn't pre-soak them. Okay.
1: Well, I find a lot of people soak them for too long, and that's actually worse than not soaking at all. I just give mine about a 10-minute soak. I use a little bit of Garrett juice. You might try that mm-hmm. next time. I think it really does help. But okay. uh, things are just very slow because the soil, If you get a soil probe thermometer, you'll find that your soil is about 10, 15 degrees cooler than it normally is at the end of April.
5: Okay. So you, you already already told me about the green beans, you know, maybe too cold. Right. Now that goes for everything else, right? Like if I have a cucumber plant already going, it's probably not growing as fast because, because it's not warm yet.
1: Exactly right. Now, if you already okay. have it growing, uh, is it in a pot or is it in your garden?
5: That's in a raised
1: bed. Okay, well, then you're fine. Not a lot you can do to speed it up. Uh, Be sure it's getting, uh, you know, adequate, good liquid fertilizer and things. But (laughs) we've all got to be a little bit patient. Hot weather will be here soon enough.
5: Okay. Now, when I'm using the has to grow liquid, Mm -hmm. um, so far I've just done foliar feeding. um, And I know I probably should not do that every time. I probably should also, you know.
1: Do a drench. I know. Yeah. When, when you uh, foliar yeah. feed, a plant only grows as many roots as it takes to support itself. If it's getting everything it needs through your foliar, fe- foliar feeding, you will not get a good root system going. And uh, that's key to long-term success. So uh, uh, start okay. doing a drench now and then as well.
5: All right. When I do that, okay, you were talking about those fabric pots. I mm-hmm. have a lot of them because, yep. you know, we have limited space. So I bought, I, I've probably got Ten of them going. <laughs> You're ahead um, of me. So, <laughs> well, that's I've been really working on it this year. <laughs> very good. I have more time than you right now. Yeah. So, um, twenty-five gallon, and mm-hmm. that I just decided is way too big. I do have my sun gold in that one, and yeah. it's doing really well. Like, very I'm good. very happy with that one. Uh huh. But say say on that size, you know, a large pot. Would I? How much would I pour on there for the liquid? It has to grow I mean, um I, once i mix it like how much like uh, oh a whole gallon, i'd say
1: right? i'd say two quarts to a gallon
5: okay two quarts to a gallon okay. same
1: same amount that all it right. would take to water it well all you're doing is just adding some has to grow to it yeah so however much it takes d- you to wet that wet that pot then that's how much has to grow mix i would use okay. and for me it'd be probably two or three quarts
5: Okay, now if I just sprayed um, about three days ago, should I do should I do the drench today, maybe or so? do I the, wait till do the drench and... whenever
1: you like. And let me okay. tell you real quickly if you're not familiar with something called a siphon mixer. Uh, if you're in a place you can do it. This is a little device you hook between the hydrant and the hose, um, and it has a little tube on it that you drop down into the concentrate, and it mixes it for you as the water goes through the hose, and that can really speed things up. Uh, Now, you mentioned you have time, and if you want to do it by filling up a watering can and watering one at a time, you can do that. But when time becomes a critical factor, look for a siphon mixer. They're inexpensive, and they'll sure speed things up.
5: Okay, well, I have the sprayer has to grow uh-huh. that does measure it when you spray. Can I spray that into a not container? Practical, and not practical. Uh,
1: if you want to do that, you can, but it's considering the time factor, it's not, not a practical no. way to do it.
5: Okay, all right. Now, can I put pine straw as mulch on top of this, Absolutely. my vegetables?
1: All of your vegetables would okay. be just fine. good have all that and then you you keep on going you're answering good asking good questions
5: okay so this was an add-on question from my husband Uh uh-huh we have bermuda grass for the first time we've we have to have bermuda grass where we're living they won't let us have anything else okay so and we have like a ton of weeds but and i already know about the spot treatment that you talked about Mm -hmm. you know the the vinegar and all that stuff but that's not really practical right if there's a lot of weights well so what,
1: your what do we do? your best defense is a good offense uh is your yard sunny Yes. Okay. Because uh, if you've got a shady yard, you're going to have to give up on grass and plant ground covers. But your your best defense against those weeds is plenty of fertilizer and a lawnmower. Bermuda grass is strong enough to choke out everything except Saint Augustine. Uh, it's just it's barely started growing yet. My Bermuda yard is right. only now starting to green up. Um, I, I your lawnmower is the only thing I'd be using at this point. Cut it down fairly low. That's what I told him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have to do it twice a week, go for it. But okay. uh, And and fertilize, again, a granular organic fertilizer, whether it's Medina, Nature's Creation, whatever you find in your area. Um, you know, your Bermuda your, self, don't be busting your back or your bank trying to okay. find something to spray on them. Um, and you don't have to do it weed by okay. weed. Just just as it gets warmer, your Bermuda's is going to come out and do the job for you. Just give it what it needs, and that's fertilizer and water.
5: Well when he uses the granular fertilizers does he have to use the that broadcast spreader cuz we don't have one anymore
1: our yard's not big. Um, no, you can throw it out by hand, and uh, okay. of course, you're in Houston. I'm in San Antonio. We loan them out free of charge. You may find a good garden center really? that that'll loan you a spreader with no problem at all. But if it's small area, no, that's you can either get a little idea. handheld deal or you can just scatter it out there with your. That's another nice thing about organic.